As you know, we are in the midst of the Christmas season. Um, Christmas season at Home Depot starts in September. Here we started in December. Um, And historically, the church at large has called the Christmas season Advent. Advent means arrival. And this Advent season highlights and celebrates the celebrated and long-awaited arrival of Jesus Christ. This month, we're going to observe Advent by listening to some of the songs of the book of Luke. Luke has songs bursting out in the first two chapters. We're going to hear songs of the arriving Savior, and I hope we gain something that, if you're like me, you might have lost. You see, I think one of the things that we as believers and even people who are not followers of Jesus don't have is awe at the time of Advent. Now, by awe, I don't mean awe. Isn't that cute when you see a calendar with puppies on it? But awe, like awe as in wonder and amazement. We can be so used to the Christmas story that the visitation of God as man to earth, to the world he created as a creature, does not cause us to marvel. We set up our nativity scenes, we sing, O little town of Bethlehem, and we count as unexceptional that God would visit mankind as a baby. But it's not. It's not unexceptional. It's miraculous and amazing. And we're going to remember that this year this December. Advent is the celebration of Jesus who raided our dark world. If there's one thing we can agree on is that we live in a dark world. And for most of, most of history, December was a dark month. December was not the month that Jesus Christ entered the world He created. It was not the month that a young mother cried out in anguish as she gave birth to her first baby boy without the comfort of her mother. It was not the month that the child breathed his first breath of this broken atmosphere. It was not the month that the cries of this newborn rung out and disturbed the Bethlehem livestock. It was not the month that God became man to rescue man. But December is a great month to celebrate the fact that heaven invaded earth because December is the darkest month of the year. In the ancient world, before the advent of electric lights, not only would the temperature drop when the sun went down, but all light went away. And as you know, darkness conceals all manner of threats. But at Christmas time, at the advent, we sing about the light of the world coming into our world. Even the youngest child among us knows that darkness can be pierced by just the faintest of lights. Darkness never consumes light. Light always shines. Advent celebrates the light of Christ in our world. Advent is something worth singing about. We live in a dark world. Now, this dark world was not always dark. God did not make it to be dark. God created all things, and after each day, He said, it is good, what He created. And on the final day, when He, saw, when he created mankind, He said, it is very good. But we know that our world is dark. 
We know that you can call our world many things, but not good is what would define it today. We live in a world darkened by drug cartels and cancer, miscarriages and parents who abandon kids, autism and homelessness and tornadoes. We live in a world darkened by terrorism and unfaithful spouses and heart attacks and school shootings and dementia and alcoholism. Our world is many things, but our world is not good. And the reason it's not good is because Our very first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and thereby invited the power of sin and the power of death to invade our world, darkening it. Genesis chapter 3 record mankind's funeral, the day that mankind turned from God and died. That doesn't mean they stopped breathing. It meant that they stopped being spiritually alive. Sin entered God's good creation. And began to destroy everything. Death now hunts and claims everyone. And so mankind is in anguish, dark and broken. We break others and we're broken ourselves. But we have the advent. The advent is not a story of how mankind can turn the tide against the darkness and be better versions of ourselves, the Advent is the story of how the darkness gets pushed back by the light of Christ. The Advent is the account of the beginning of the rescue plan by our good God to rescue this dark world. And that is why so many people are singing in Luke, and that is why we must sing. That's why we need to tune our ears to the song of Zechariah this morning. Zechariah sings a song that will help us, I trust, regain some of the awe of Advent. In his song, we hear who visited. We understand how he visited. And we we see why his visit still matters. We hear who visited, how he visited, and why his visit still matters. And as we hear, may we allow the awe awe to enter into the Advent. You see, because the Advent says sin and death and darkness and decay and brokenness will not have the final say. I'm going to read, beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, and I'll read all the way down to verse 79. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. His father, speaking of John the Baptist, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called most high, be called the prophet of the most high, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Let's pray before we start. Lord, I pray, Lord, we've just read your word. We don't want to consider it a routine or a normal or a mundane thing. You've just addressed us. I pray that as you continue to address us through the preaching of your word, you would overcome my many weaknesses and liabilities and speak. Holy Spirit, as Jeff prayed, I pray that you would be amongst us in power and in strength. It's in your name we pray. Amen. First, who visited? Who visited? Verse 68 tells us straight away, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited the redeemed and redeemed his people. Now the irony is Jesus Christ has not yet been born, and we have Zechariah singing in the past tense. He's saying that the Lord God of Israel has visited and has redeemed, even though this Lord God has not yet come. Even more ironic, the setting of this song is the birth not of Jesus, but of Zechariah's son, in whom he, whom he named John. History tells us, his, history knows him as John the Baptist. Now, it was miraculous, and you can read about this in the rest of Luke, the beginning of Luke, and I would recommend you to do that after. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were past the childbearing age, and yet God miraculously chose to give them John so that he might pave the way for Jesus. But, but as miraculous as that birth is, Zechariah is speaking of another. He's speaking of another. He's speaking of the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, I want you to notice a couple things about verse 68. I already pointed out the fact that it's past tense, and so the reason it's past tense here is this is how sure God is of delivering his promises. Zechariah knows you can speak of it as if it has already happened. But also, I want you to see who is visiting. Look closely, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. I don't know what what tradition you've grown up in, but you might think that somehow Jesus is God Jr. or sort of a Padawan learner to God or something like that. But that's not the case. God the Son and God the Spirit and God the Father are all equal. And so it can be said that God the Son, as he visits, that, that the Lord God of Israel is the one who came to visit his people. The Lord himself came. He did not send an emissary, an ambassador, or a delegate. He came himself to personally redeem his people. That's who came, Jesus, God the Son. And Zechariah uses some remote and old-fashioned imagery from the Old Testament. He says the Lord will raise up a horn from the household of David, specifically a horn of salvation. Now, we don't talk like that. A horn in that day was a sign of strength. If you've ever seen rams, like the animal 
the animals hammer away at each other, like the picture behind me, you know that the point of collision is their horns. Their horns bang into each other again and again and again. They don't hit hind legs or forelegs or flanks. They hit horns, bam, 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 to fight. We might use the language, raise up a sword or raise up a gun with the same kind of imagery. But Zechariah is singing about the Lord raising up a horn of salvation. Now, horns are usually a sign of war. This is different. Zechariah sings of a new weapon. But this weapon would be used as a means of salvation, not of warfare. And this weapon would come, this blessing, this salvation would come from the fallen household of David. God promised way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and in Genesis 3 before that, He said, I will raise up, for, raise up your offspring after you, speaking to David, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. For he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this is what Zechariah is singing about. Notice God comes and does this fulfillment himself. He does not send instructions on how to save ourselves. He does not show us the way. He comes to personally redeem and save his people. That's part of the wonder of the Advent. The wonder of this season. God has come. The Most High God has come. And He has come to personally save. The wonder of Christmas is that God became a man to save mankind. And one of the reasons I think we lose the awe of Advent is because we don't think it's an amazing thing for God to become a person like us. We don't think that it is, it's amazing or a miracle to have God the Son become the Son of Man. We don't think it's amazing for the immortal one to put on mortality. We don't think it's amazing for the Ancient of Days to have a birthday. We don't think it's amazing for the breath of life to draw a first breath. We don't think it's amazing for the Word to become a speechless baby. But it is. It's a wonder that we ought not to get over. It's a wonder that we must recognize. God has become man. The one who said to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Was now laid in the earth he founded. The one who said, Where were you when the morning stars sang together with all the sons of God and shouted for joy? That one was now under the stars with the sons of men, not noticing him and not singing for joy. The one who says, Where were you? Or who, who are you? Can you shut the sea with the, with the doors that burst out from the womb? This is the one who was shut in the virgin's womb and clothed with cheap cloths and, a swat, and, and, and put in a manger. The one who commands the morning and causes the dawn to know its place. This one took his place in a cattle stall, in a feeding trough. The one who puts limits on the oceans and the seas, saying, this far you may go and no farther. This one prescribed new limits for his glory hidden in the weakness of a baby, saying to His glory, this far you may come and no further. This one walked the dust of earth. 
Why? For salvation. Verse 69. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Jesus is that means of salvation. Sin and death cannot have the final say. Who visited? Jesus. The horn of salvation. Just as remarkable as who came to visit, how he came. Ought to instill us with awe as well. How did he visit? Now let's think about this. Remember we said at the beginning, our world is dark. Our world is broken. Our world is in need of repair. Whenever you walk into a situation that's broken and in need of repair, what do you do? How do you enter your, child, your nine-year-old child's room when it's not clean, even though you've been asking all week? How do you come to work when the people who are working with you or for you on a big project don't pull their weight? How do you come in when you hear that the nursing home that your mother is at is not treating her right? How do you come when you find out that a doctor has, met, has botched your care? How do you go? How do you come to your daughter's school when you find out that she's being bullied? In other words, how do you come when you want to make things right? I know how I would come. Ready to fight. Ready to fight. That's how we ought to expect him to come. I would expect him to come in a blazing chariot pulled by horses flying on lightning, burning up the sky. I would expect him to come arrayed for battle, shining as bright as the sun. I would expect him to come calling out with the voice like the sound of mighty rushing waters, challenging all his enemies to come to him. I would expect him to come followed by a host of fighting angels. I would expect him to come brandishing a flaming sword, looking to strike down any who stand in his way. I would expect him to come like that because if I had the power, that's how I would come. Instead, he expresses his power through mercy. Through mercy. Through salvation. Look at verse 72. He, he comes, what? To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. He has the strength to come in mercy. He came not to punish the disobedient, but to redeem the broken. That alone is awe-inspiring. The Lord who knows you and all things you've ever done and everything you will do has come not to break you, but to fix you, to redeem you, to purchase you, He came, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies. Now, our enemies is not some other nation, nor is it somebody out there who sends threats to us. Our great enemies are the power of sin and death. The rescue mission that Jesus has undertaken is one of the most, actually is the most audacious in all of history. These aren't mere human enemies enemies or spiritual enemies or great armies, but the power of sin and death. The enemies he came to defeat are enemies that we have no power against on our own. We are powerless against sin and death. If you doubt that, consider this. Everybody dies and everybody sins. Jesus, Jesus, 
came so that we, though we have no power to ward off their clutches, no, we have no place to hide from their strength, He came to give salvation. He came to save us from these enemies. He came to show us mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy means not being treated as we deserve. Not being treated as we deserve. You know how we deserve to be treated? An eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. Instead, he came redeeming and not reprimanding. He came saving and not punishing. He came to be merciful and not vengeful. He came to forgive and not condemn. He came to give light and not to thrust into darkness. He came, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. That's us. And to guide our feet in the way of peace. That's poetic language saying that everyone who's under the power of death, he came to save. He came to bless and to punish. That's why he came. He came to bless. He came to make things right through mercy and not judgment. He came to make things right by offering himself instead of calling us to account. And he came as a baby. He came in the normal way everyone comes into the world. He didn't come from a spaceship in the sky. He came like everyone else, just like you. He came like you. It's not remarkable that you came from your mother's womb, but it is remarkable that God the Son did. Jesus, this wriggling, helpless baby, laid in an animal feeding trough, he is the one who was the horn of salvation that would save a people. This unique visitation demanded a proclamation, but not many were singing. Isaiah is one of the few. This old, forgotten man, he's singing. Though God came, no one of note seemed to care. Zechariah, he sang, and his song was not heard in the halls of the great or the palaces of the grand or the parade grounds of the mighty. No one seemed to notice. If I were part of his advance team, I would invite heads of state to come and witness the birth of the king. I would invite Fortune 100 business leaders. I would invite university presidents and Nobel Prize winners the Hollywood elite, I would invite high-powered scientists and religious leaders of all kinds. I would invite a group of poet laureates. But he didn't come that way. The influential didn't take note. He came not to impress the impressive. He came to rescue the weak. Christ came to save. And Christ came humbly. Zachariah sang because God traveled the infinite space from heaven's glories to earth's sordid ground. He went from the throne room to a cattle stall. That's 
That alone ought to inspire wonder. It doesn't yet. As believers, one day we will be in the throne room and we will wonder and be amazed that Jesus ever left. But he did. He came because we could never make it to him. Realize that? Salvation is not a story of mankind trying to improve ourselves or to realize the potential within or to follow our hearts or to be better people or to read the newest self-help book. The salvation Jesus offers is one that he gives completely. The story of the Advent is not one that talks about the potential of mankind. The story of the Advent is one that talks about the mercy of God Most High. And that ought to give us wonder. The one that is, was above came to earth to walk this earth just like us. The one who rides on the clouds walks the, walked the same kind of roads we've walked. The one that has transcendent glory came close to us in a stable, in the way all babies came, and his first nap was in a feeding trough. Those of you who are parents, let me ask you this. Have you ever been at the hospital and said, listen, I appreciate the bed you've offered my baby, um, but I'd like to go to the local farm and put the baby there? No, of course not. It'd be ridiculous. You'd be arrested. But yet, Jesus was laid in a feeding trough. Unto us, this Savior is born. Unto us, this is the Savior who carried our sins. Unto us, this Savior, He was torn by wrath. Unto us, this Savior died. Unto us, our Savior lives again. Who came? Jesus. He came and He came to rescue. How did He come? With mercy. Why does His visit still matter? Why does his visit still matter? You see, Christmas is not just something from the past that we get to celebrate and put up decorations and have light, which is fun. But Christmas trumpets Jesus, who's come to make a way for us. You see, not only does his visit still matter, it matters for you. Think of the religious traditions in the world. All of them have some great teacher, some wise person, some mighty and majestic individual. But they're always up there, far away, remote. And you have to do all kinds of different religious traditions. You have to say the right prayers, offer the right sacrifices, be a good kind of person to reach this God. But I want you to notice what Jesus did that's completely different. He came into our brokenness to be with us. That's not done. There's no account that Zeus ever did that. That's, Zeus is up in, in heaven throwing down lightning bolts. Not heaven, but wherever he is, Olympus or whatever that is. Throwing lightning bolts down. Jesus came to be amongst his people. Why? Verse 78 because of the tender mercy of our God, 
whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light. Isn't that a picture? The sunrise, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Our God, Jesus Christ, has entered our brokenness. He came to rescue. He did not leave us alone in the darkness. He came to rescue. He came to redeem. He came to broken people so that we might, though we experience deep grief, that we might be able to experience His mercy. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you experience deep grief? Something you can't express. And you don't know how you're going to make it through the next minute, much less the next hour, day, or week. A lot of times, when you experience grief, people don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it, so they kind of stay away from you because they, don't, they feel awkward. What a blessing it is when someone just sits and listens, sits and cries, sits It's just there. See, in moments of grief, we don't need answers. We just need someone there with us to to walk with us and cry with us. That's a blessing. And I want you to see that that blessing, we see Jesus doing that very thing. In our grief, in our brokenness, in our hardships, he does not stand off and stand stand up on, on a up in heaven and say, listen, go to the right, go to the left. No, he comes to us. That's part of the awe of Advent. He entered our broken world to impact us each individually. He came to guide us each into the way of peace. His visit still matters, and it still matters for you. He has come to you in your brokenness. Where are you broken? What regrets do you carry from the past? He has come in our brokenness. He has come to show us mercy. Where do you feel the weight of brokenness? In a past abortion? In a past divorce? Alcohol? Neglect? Fear? Listen, Jesus didn't run away from any of those things. He came and meets us in our brokenness and says, I will purchase you as my own. I will be broken for you so that you can come to me and experience life. This is an expression of His tender mercy that God would come and visit us from on high. The Son of God, armed with mercy, came not to give us what we deserve, but came to share our nature and be subject to the most profound human weaknesses so we, broken people, might come to Him and say, help. And we can come to Him because He's come to us. That's the awe of Advent. He didn't just come to earth. He came to you. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, talk to somebody you know afterwards who is. Jesus has entered into your broken life and offers salvation and mercy. He offers life and hope. 
No one might understand what you're going through, your pain, your sadness, your distress. But Jesus meets us in our pain and our sadness and our distress. He is tender and understanding. He has entered into our world. You can turn to him no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. No matter who you think you are. As Christians, we can remember that sin and death does not have the final say. Sometimes that's just helpful. Because the news and the culture, and so often Facebook yells at us and says all kinds of things. And it just seems like everything's crushing and everything's pushing down on us. And the darkness seems so thick sometimes that we feel like we can touch it. But Jesus has come, and that means that we know that our Savior will one day put all things right. He has come, and He has entered into the brokenness. And one day, what the, all the brokenness we see and experience and have, have done, and inflicted on other people and other people have inflicted on us will one day forever be gone. Because the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation. Strong enough to save any who come to Him. We can cast our cares on Him. He's come to us. We can take comfort in Him. He's come to us. We can be cheered on by His never-failing love. He's come to us. We can trust in His always true promises. He's come to us. This world may be dark, but it does not. It does not mean darkness has the final say. No, Jesus has come. The light has dawned. Sunrise is soon. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for entering into our brokenness, our hardships, our failures, our flaws, Lord. And I just pray you would, I don't know all the weight everybody's carrying here today. And when we carry weight and grief and fear and are afflicted in different ways, it can feel so very lonely. Lord, I pray that Advent would remind us that you have come to us. The awe of Advent is that you, Jesus, have come to us to redeem us. And you came not to punish, but to bless. And you came to enter into our brokenness. Lord Jesus, we're grateful that that's the reality that we celebrate here at the Advent season. And may we be filled with awe for that reality. And consider it an amazing thing that you did what you did. And that you're doing what you're doing. I pray specifically for people who feel the brokenness of the season, if they're not with somebody they wish they were or have lost other people in their lives to death or other kinds of brokenness. Lord, I pray that you would comfort and bless them. Jesus, thank you for not leaving us to our own devices, but thank you for coming and rescuing. It's in your name, Jesus Christ, the light of the world that we pray.
Amen.